Each year, it is my privilege to produce for you more than 200 Cato Daily podcasts featuring Cato scholars, outside experts, journalists, lawmakers, and others with interesting things to say. And at Cato, we accept no government money. We are entirely funded by private citizens and organizations. That means both Cato and the Cato Daily Podcast are completely dependent on your support. To keep the Cato Daily Podcast strong and growing, we've launched a new podcast sponsor program for this holiday season. Any and all donations to support the podcast are most appreciated, but at the $1,000 level of support, you'll become a Cato patron sponsor, which means you'll receive all the benefits of patron sponsorship. Additionally, unless you object, I'll personally thank you on the podcast. Cato is a 501c3 charitable organization, which means that your gift is tax-deductible to the fullest extent allowed by law. To learn more, visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor. That's cato.org slash podcast sponsor. And as always, thank you for listening. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, December 5th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. The Supreme Court has an opportunity to reshape the way your home is protected from police snooping, and not in a good way. Jay Schweikert discusses the Cato Institute's brief in the case of Collins v. Virginia. Most people are familiar with the term, uh, your home is your castle, and there are legal doctrines that uh, follow along with that. What uh, as a constitutional matter, what is the home? So the home is the place where you make your residence. It's the place where you live. Um, it's you know, it, it's it matches the same standard understanding that most people have. Um, and the one thing, the the one addition to that that's relevant for this case is that uh, your home, for Fourth Amendment purposes, is not just your house. It's the it's the land and the so-called outbuildings surrounding your house. And the name for this area that the Supreme Court has used is the curtilage. Uh, this is the uh, the term that the English common law used to refer to that land immediately around your house. This is the, the curtilage of your home. And that curtilage is itself treated as part of the home for Fourth Amendment purposes. So in in you know g- generally across the board, it's uncontroversial that, um, to, for the same reason that uh, searches of your home require a warrant, searches in the curtilage also require a warrant. For instance, if uh, police were looking in your garage or looking in your garden um, or looking through your bushes outside you know, your windows, uh, that's, all, that's all part of your home. Uh, the Supreme Court held that in um, a t- 2013 case, Florida v. Hardeen's, that uh, – that this area is intimately linked to the home, both physically and psychologically, uh, and that it's as part of the home itself for Fourth Amendment purposes, and that this is, you know, a well-established point going all the way back to English common law. So uh, the question in this case involves something that was uh, in the yard or in the driveway of the home, at, and if if in and I think the the point you made before we started recording is, if this were a backpack or if it were a trunk uh, sitting in the same location, it would not even be controversial that the police would need to have a warrant in order to search those items. That's exactly right. Um, you you have to get a warrant if you want to search something in the home. This includes, uh, you know, parts of the curtilage, out, out you know, shacks, outhouses, uh, barns, uh, in a more modern terms, gardens, yards, garages. 
Uh, you couldn't, the police can't go snooping through your garage, looking through your toolbox or whatever, uh, unless they get a warrant. Um, the the uh, vehicle searched here was a motorcycle. Um, and it was a motorcycle that was uh, parked in a uh, patio that was enclosed on three sides, one side, which was the house itself. So it was just a few feet from the home. Um, a police officer uh, walked up, uh, entered the private property, veered off of the pathway leading up to the front door through the yard into this enclosed patio, essentially a mini garage for the for the motorcycle and removed the tarp or well sorry they removed the cover for the motorcycle the the Supreme Court of Virginia called it a tarp but it's just a motorcycle cover uh, so unequivocally doing a search and like you said if this was a trunk if this were a backpack it wouldn't even be you know a contested question the only purported rationale for why this search didn't require warrant is that a motorcycle is a vehicle um, and the Fourth Amendment does have, uh, a so-called automobile exception, which when automobiles are on the road, when you're driving, police officers generally don't have to get a warrant to search your vehicle if they have probable cause. Uh, the, the, there are two rationales for this automobile exception that the Supreme Court has articulated. One is the uh, inherent mobility of vehicles, which is a kind of practical limitation. If you had to get a warrant every time you wanted to uh, search a car that you stopped on the road, you might not be able to do so in time. The vehicle might leave. You not, might not be able to find it again. Um, as a side note, as I was actually saying to you earlier, there's a reason to question whether that's still true today. You can get warrants much, much more quickly now. Uh, in the merits brief in this case, they discuss some state systems where you can get electronic warrants as quickly as 15 minutes. Um, but in general, that's the, the one of the rationales for it. The other rationale for the automobile exception is the reduced expectation of privacy that you have when you're traveling in public in your car or in your vehicle. Uh, there are all kinds of regulations that say, you know, who can drive and what you have to do to be allowed to drive and what the rules are when you're on public highways. But critically, those regulations and that reduced expectation of privacy is almost always tied to use of your car out in public. Um, all of the relevant Virginia, this is a Virginia case, all the relevant Virginia uh, traffic codes specifically refer to, you know, when you're traveling on the public highway or a car in use on the public highway or something like that. So none of those rationales apply to a car that's parked at home. Uh, you certainly do have an expectation of privacy uh, with vehicles parked at your home. If you saw your neighbor going into your garage you know, lifting up the cover on your motorcycle or looking through the, you know, trunk of your bike or peering into the windows of your car, you would wonder what they were doing. You might call the police. That would certainly be an invasion of your privacy because it's part of your home. People keep things in their car. They store things there sometimes. Um, you know, they've brought things home that they've recently purchased or that they're taking to someone else. It's, you know, it, it's part of the home itself. Um, and likewise, you know, when a car is at your home, it's obviously not mobile. Uh, it's not about to leave. You may not even be home to drive it away. Uh, and of course, if you did leave and the police saw that happen, well, then you'd be driving in public and the automobile exception would apply. Um, so whatever justification there is for the automobile exception in general, it absolutely does not apply in this case. This case should be governed by the ancient and sacred principle that a man's home is his castle. Uh, that when you retreat to your home, you are free from unreasonable government intrusion, and that if the police want to search your home, they need a warrant. Simple as that. All right. So uh, 
you know, this, this motorcycle was covered, how much difference does that make? Um, I, I don't think that's determinative because the police officer here still entered private property and veered off of the the pathway leading up to the leading up to the uh, door of the house. Um, which is itself actually a pretty significant distinction. The Supreme Court has said this was, uh, they uh, mentioned this in the Florida v. Hardeen's case from 2013, that uh, there is a general license to uh, enter the, go up to the pathway uh, of someone's home and knock on the door. That's something that we all expect people to do sometimes, and police officers can do that to the same extent that anyone else can. Um, if a police officer would like to ask permission to search your home or if they want to, if they think you may be a witness and they want to ask if you observed something, they are allowed without a warrant to walk up to your front door, knock, and, uh, you know, if you choose to answer, you don't have to, but if you choose to answer, to speak with you. Um, but in, for the, in the same way that you wouldn't – you would you, – you would, you wouldn't be upset if a neighbor did that, but you you would be if they you know left the pathway and started snooping through your rose garden. Um, here, what makes the key difference is that is, is that police officer did leave the path and entered private property, uh, and entered an enclosed garage space. So this wasn't, as I understand it, uh, this bike I don't think could have even been seen from the streets. Um, so removing the removing the cover of the bike is just makes it even clearer that this was a search. Um, but I don't think that fact alone isn't really what decides this case. All right. So, uh, what are the implications of it? If it, it does this just firm up what the court found in uh, Hardeen's, which of course is where I learned what the word curtilage meant. Right. Um, but d does it just firm it up? Does it have broader implications? So. I think that there are staggering implications if the court were to affirm the Virginia Supreme Court uh, and, and allow police officers to, without a warrant, um, uh, you know, search any automobile that they found on private property. Because what that would do is eviscerate so many of the sacred protections of the home that uh, you know are, are central to our Fourth Amendment jurisprudence. Because it would basically – so, you know, you may be familiar with the plain view doctrine that police officers, if they see something in plain view, they are allowed to seize it even if they didn't have a warrant to look for that particular item. You know, if you, if you have a warrant to enter a house because you suspect, you know, that a, a burglary was uh, – or, or that there's evidence of burglary and then you happen to see drugs there, well, you can seize the drugs. Um, so the, the, the key point of the warrant requirement is that the initial entry into the home is a huge, is a huge decision because once you allow that, then anything that police officers see is fair game. And so here, if you, it, you know, the search that the police officers could, could conduct wouldn't be limited to vehicles alone. I mean, it's, the vehicles are significant, but that wouldn't be the whole of it. For instance, if they could go into your garage to look for a vehicle, well, now suddenly they, anything that they see in your garage, any contraband that might be there is fair game under the plain view doctrine. So the, the, it is the vehicle exception to the Fourth Amendment, which you just explained probably doesn't apply here, that would open the door for the use of the plain view doctrine uh, for seizing whatever. That's exactly right. Um, and you can even imagine police officers using this strategically where let's say you were following a car in public and you had probable cause to think that, you know, they had drugs on them or something. Well, you could stop the car uh, and if you had probable cause, you could search it uh, without a warrant. Or if you wanted even more information, you could wait until they got home. 
And then you could simply follow them into their home and uh, then conduct the search. And and if that were allowed, that would be based on, um, you, you know, the, the automobile exception. But it would, it, in a sense, swallow the—the the exception would swallow the rule. And it would be sort of a free pass to strategically work around the uh, bedrock requirement that uh, searches of a home require a warrant. Um, so I think that there would be there would be tremendous implications if the Supreme Court affirmed the opinion. I, if they were to, as I as we're urging them to, to reverse and say that this does require a warrant, I don't really think there are many implications to that. I think that's just sort of holding the line with where we currently are. Um, it's uncontroversial right now that. Uh, searches of a home require a warrant. It's uncontroversial that the curtilage itself is part of the home for Fourth Amendment purposes. So this wouldn't be expanding that doctrine in any radical way. It would simply be holding the line and saying, we are serious about that principle and we're not about to allow uh, an exception to swallow the rule. Jay Schweikert is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. This holiday season, support the Cato podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute by visiting cato.org slash podcast sponsor and learn more of the benefits of sponsorship. That's cato.org slash podcast sponsor.